one of the things about entrepreneurship, there is no reward without the risk. Every great entrepreneur had help. And where is that help going to come from? It's going to come from that social network. You don't have to be smarter than everybody else to make money doing asset allocation and save. I think there's a danger when you're in business to find arrogance, and especially if you're doing really well. At the end of the day, I ain't nothing special. I'm just a guy. What has value? Well, what has value is whatever people say has value. I'm going to get better and better and better at what I do as I get older. So the best me is going to be the me right before I die. Hey, family, welcome back to the Marketplace Podcast. I'm your host, Priest Willis, and today is episode number 121. Today, I had the opportunity of speaking with Jen Herman from Jen's Trends. We discussed a lot of good things, great topics on what's new with Instagram and ways to grow your business with Instagram. In case you didn't know who Jen was, which you should, she is a Canadian social media strategist and speaker currently living in San Diego where she's raising her beautiful daughter. Jen Herman has a unique perspective on business and success on social media, which earned her the prestige of being on the list of top 10 social media blogs three years in a row, 2014, 15, and 16. She's also the author of The Ultimate Beginner's Guide to Instagram and Stop Guessing. Both of them are available on our website, jenstrends.com. Right now, 65% of the world's top brands use Instagram, and Jen says that number continues to grow. There are 200 million monthly active users on Instagram, 70% of which log in daily. This is a huge base of people for marketers to reach. So Jen begins to talk to us and help us better understand how to position Instagram for our business and be more genuine and personal about it. We had a great conversation and hopefully that comes across to you. So without further ado, here's my girl, Jen Herman. Hey, Jen, welcome to the program. Hey, I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to have you. I, you know, I mentioned this offline and I think it's worth saying online here that, you know, I've heard so many good things about you from so many different people. I've seen your name pop up on Twitter from other people. So it's not like I did a search for social media guru and I just ran into you. I mean, there was real people having real conversations out there and your name came up and we've never really had someone who has had the expertise in the background in social media, such as yourself. So I've been looking forward to having this conversation and hearing this stuff for myself. And then, of course, letting the listeners peer in a little bit. That's awesome. I'm excited. I'm like, when you, I know when you mentioned you haven't really had this kind of expertise, I'm like, oh, God, like, you know, I get to share all of it with everybody. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> awesome. So, you know, before we get started, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so it's Jen Herman is my name, and it's Jen with two N's. Born in 1980 with about a bazillion other Jennifers because my parents <laughs> had to decide on the most common name of the decade. <laughs> it was it, it was a fast moving time. They had to get that out of the way, right? I was like, really, of all the names. <laughs> But so growing up, there was always like me and four or five other Jennifers in every class. So there was always some distinguishing. And I've always been Jen with two N's. So everywhere you find me, uh, I'm either Jen Herman or Jen's Trends. Just always make sure you have the two N's in in the Jen. But I'm, I'm currently living in San Diego. I've been here now for about 15 years. And I am definitely a SoCal girl at heart. But I was born and raised in Canada. Uh, so I moved to California, of all things, to pursue my master's in forensic science. So I have an undergrad in biology. I moved here for a master's in forensic science. Mm. And now I work in marketing and I teach Instagram and social media. So that's the long, that's the short version. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's life happens and I'm super grateful to be where I am. About six years ago, I started my blog, Jen's Trends, as a hobby. It was just something that I wanted to do and share information with business owners on how they could use social media. And I had no strategy or plan. About three months after that, I attended Social Media Marketing World, not as an attendee, but as a party crasher because I couldn't afford the conference. But it was here <laughs> in San Diego. So I, I showed up at the hotel and, and just party crashed for three days. But I had my epiphany. I realized that's what I wanted to do. And I wanted to speak and I wanted to teach and I wanted to work in this industry. And so I, I put an entire strategy together and I started focusing my blog with that in mind. 
And about three months after that, I finally jumped on this little bandwagon called Instagram and in the process fell in love with it for multiple reasons. I love the community behind it. I love photography. So it was a natural fit. But no one was really writing about how to use Instagram for marketing. There was lots of things about how to use Instagram, but not from a marketing perspective. And I had this little blog, so I started writing about it. Mm. And in the process, became the world's forefront blogger on Instagram marketing. I've written hundreds of blog posts just about Instagram, let alone all the other social media topics I've, I've covered in the last six years. And I started getting interviewed as podcast guests. Um, I started speaking on stages. I actually ended up speaking at Social Media Marketing World two years after that first party crash, and I've spoke there every year since. Uh, so it's it's been an amazing journey for me. It's been something I've really enjoyed uh, exploring. And like I said, it's nothing I would have predicted for my life, but I'm I'm so happy with where I am and the things I get to do with, with this industry. Yeah, definitely. You seem to be making an impact in the industry for sure. And I, I'm glad you're on because I've grown a bit cynical about Instagram myself and maybe others have as well. I mean, I've seen so many things come up or or I should say posts come up where people are taking pictures of their Starbucks and they're saying grinding, hustling and where the sunlight is shining <laughs> down on the just their notebook and pen and you you're you're looking at people like, "Oh my god, they must be just so rich and doing so well." Help me understand first why was Instagram created? So it's funny because I read a Time article. This was from 2016 where the co-creators of Instagram kind of made their first blurry post and we'll make sure to put that on the podcast page. <laughs> so they're already yeah. they're already giving you a concept of social media cuz they're taking pictures of their food, their significant other and all this other stuff, but help us understand why was Instagram created to start with? So it was very much it, it was meant to be instant. Hence the Instagram. Mm. And it was meant to be a real time exploration of people's lives. It was, it wasn't meant to be this heavily curated, heavily, you know, processed content. It was meant to be instantaneous photo, like photos. It, at the time, there was no video when it launched. Mm -hmm. Uh, it was meant to be instantaneous photos of your life. And it was very, food and beverage centric. It was a lot of the, you know, the selfies of wherever you were, you were in a car, you were at the beach, you were at home, you were like, whatever it was you were doing, it was meant to be a platform to share in the raw moment what you were doing with your life. It forged this kind of underground community at first, I guess, where it really was highly interactive. It allowed for unique sharing cap or um, exploration capabilities to be found by new people much more easily than things like Facebook. And it was visual, unlike Twitter, which Twitter was huge at the time, but Twitter was really text-based. So Instagram was the kind of... I always said it was the visual alternative to Twitter. So where Twitter was this fast-moving text feed, Instagram was a fast-moving photo feed. Mm -hmm. And... It just built these, you know, communities and people were, you know, making friendships and connecting with people in unique ways. But it was it was very raw. Uh, it was very unfiltered. And it took years until I mean, they offered filters. Right. So you remember back when Instagram first came out, they had all those hideous 70s looking right. filters on the photos and and the borders and all the like, oh, my God, it's like, you know, the vintage style. It was like, thank God those right. are gone. But it did evolve, obviously, over the last number of years, especially. Um, and after Facebook acquired it, it evolved even more. But yeah, it was it's always meant to be kind of that instantaneous visual representation. That's of fair. Life. And, you know, again, I, I may be just cynical. And so people can can boot me at home or in their car, however they decide they want to do it. Uh, but but how do you how in this space do you keep a genuine voice? Because, again, I'm I'm a bit tired of I don't have a personal account anymore. I changed I grew to 5000 followers and then I I switched sure. it over to just purely a business account for in terms of the podcast. Mm -hmm. Um so I'm not really engaged Good. anymore on a personal level, but from a genuine perspective, well uh, maybe you can answer this two ways on a personal level and on a business level. How do you keep 
How do you keep a genuine voice about how you're posting? I think you answered it in the question. You have to have a genuine voice. Mm. And trust me, I see plenty of the people doing the same hashtag grinding, hashtag hustling, hashtag best life. And I'm like, <laughs> mm, really. sure you are. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, and I always laugh because I always joke with these people. I'm like, so you went and stood in front of a big old mansion and took a photo before they kicked you off the property. And then you went home to your one bedroom <laughs> apartment. So don't start with it. But it is, I think. One of the things, and this is what I always tell all my clients that I work with and, and as a consultant and whatnot, but I say you have to have your voice. Your brand has a voice, whether it's you as an individual or you as you know a, a multi-employee company or as a corporation, you have a voice, you have a style. You know, living here in San Diego, you get so many of the like the you know, the surfer style personalities and brands and and that's great. Embrace that. I'm, I always joke, I'm the pencil skirt wearing, high heel wearing, you know, finger snapping diva. And I embrace that. And you have to be who your true voice is because that's how you stand out. When you try to create the same visual content as everybody else, it gets boring. In 2017, the big thing was those very whitewashed, pastel looking images where everything was just in white backgrounds and it was so bright and clear and I was like, I can't make one of those photos to save my dang life. Like my photos are high saturation, deep contrast, bold colors. I'm like, oh, well, what are you going to do? But guess what? The whitewash is going away. So my colors are just fine. <laughs> but that's where you do have to stay true to that. You know, you have to know your brand message, your brand style, your brand voice. And when you find that, you create your content accordingly. You create your visual content accordingly. You create your captions accordingly. I have a good friend of mine. She is a nutritionist and, and fitness coach. And she just has the best captions because when you read them, they're full of emojis and slang. And you can just hear her voice as you read that caption. And that's something that just stands out compared to every other fitness and nutrition coach. That's like, there's like 3 billion of them on Instagram and there's only a billion people using it. And it's, it's just one of those things that it's such a con a concentrated space, but she's found this way to stay true to her voice and her personality and her audience loves her for it. So whether that's taking photos a certain way, using certain filters, I always tell people to pick two or three filters that represent your aesthetic style and only use those filters. Don't go vintage in one photo and black and white in one photo and then, you know, deep contrast in the next photo and then washed out in the next one. Mm. Pick two or three that have a similar aesthetic and stay true to those. And then your content automatically begins to have this aesthetic appeal that subconsciously when people see it, they recognize that style, they recognize it as yours, they're more likely to engage with it. When they see the caption and they hear your voice coming through that caption, they're going to connect with it emotionally. They're more likely to engage and leave comments. Um, they're more likely to you know, want to work with you because they know who they're going to get when they hire you because they've met this personality through the online media. That's really good. I think I, I think you're saying a lot of what I hear, you know, regardless if it's on YouTube and other parts of the world, when people are engaging visually is that consistency is kind of the key here, right? Having yeah. kind of a brand style is is key to whatever you're driving or wherever you're trying to drive your, your audience. Absolutely. And it's consistency across the board. It's consistency in content. Um, you know, if you are known for certain type of content, when you all of a sudden go AWOL and do something else, people don't know to expect it. In the way your content is created, you want it to be visually consistent. You want your posting schedule to be consistent. You know, post once a week, every week, 52 weeks a year. Don't post three times this week and then take a week off and then twice one week and then take three weeks off. You want to be consistent with it so that people have a trust and expectation from you. So it is absolutely consistency across the board that's most successful. Yeah, so that that kind of leads me to my next question because I just mentioned that I turned my personal Instagram over to the podcast page. So I'm purely looking mm -hmm. for engagement listeners, obviously, but there are some companies out there that are looking for converted sales. They're, they're actually trying mm -hmm. to drop people from Instagram into their funnel in terms of, you know, ultimately getting the sale. W would you just say what yeah. we talked about there in terms of consistency and other stuff lends itself to that? And what would be some other maybe pieces of advice that you would offer those who are looking to convert sales from Instagram to their website? How, how would you approach that? You just asked me my favorite question. Okay. So <laughs> this is, this is one of those things 
People always ask me, they're like, I can't get sales from Instagram and I can't generate leads. And I'm like, don't you tell me you can't because I will prove to you that you can. (laughs) (laughs) So there's a lot of different ways. And a lot of it comes down to first and foremost, you have to set up your bio on your Instagram profile properly. So the couple things you need to realize is that the only time someone ever comes and looks at your profile and actually reads it and looks at it is usually the first time they find you. So whether they found you in search, whether they found you someplace else and came to Instagram to find you, whether they someone tagged you and they ta- they tapped on your you know at username to go see your profile, most of the time someone looks at your profile, it's the first time they're seeing you. So that profile needs mm. to be set up as your 30-second elevator pitch. It needs to be your best possible first impression. So you need a great name that is... So your username is how you're known on Instagram. Like I'm at Jens underscore trends as my username. My name says Jen Herman, Instagram expert. So if someone comes, they know exactly who I am because that description is right there in the name. Mm. Then you need the bio to tell them who you are, what you do, and why it matters to them. It's not about you. It's about them. I always tell people, I don't care about you. I care about your customers. And if you're writing your bio to approach them the right way, they will follow you, they will convert, they will send you emails, whatever it is, but you need to invite them in in a way that makes it valuable to them. The whole what's in it for me syndrome. Mm-hmm. Then there's one URL that you can have on Instagram, only one. And I love it because it makes marketers actually be creative and not lazy. And that <laughs> one link is in your bio. So that link has to go somewhere valuable. And I recommend you put a call to action in your bio that tells them why to click on that link. So for example, click to get your free ebook and then have a down arrow because the URL is directly beneath that or click to subscribe for podcast announcements or whatever it is you want people to click on that link for. So like right now, I currently have, I have a membership program called 360 Marketing Squad. And so I have joined the squad and then an arrow and it goes to the link to sign up for 360 Marketing Squad. So that you can use that bio to really drive that and have people understand why they're clicking on that link. But then also as a business profile, you get the action buttons. So you get call, text, email, and directions as the four default. You can have three of those four buttons on your profile directly on Instagram. So I get at least a handful, if not dozens of emails a week from Instagram where people have gone to my profile, clicked on the email button and opened an email browser and they sent me an email to ask me a question. So that's direct communication with somebody I would have never otherwise had communication with, whether it's answering a simple question, whether it's they want to hire me as a consultant, whether they want to know more information about me as a speaker whether it's, you know, some random request, because I get a million of those, but you get a lot of quality leads directly from that. Same thing with the call button. If you actually put your phone number on there, people could actually use their phone as a phone and actually call you and you can convert the sale right then and there because they're on the phone. They're not going to think about it, go home, talk to their spouse, go back to work and forget about you. They're going to click that button and the process is completed immediately and you just close the sale. So That right there is the key. Having that set up is is so important. But additionally, you can have, you know, if you're crafting your content properly within Instagram and like, for example, whenever I have a new blog post, I take that blog post image, I put it on Instagram. I say a new blog post is live. I do a little blurb about what's in that blog post. And then I say very clearly and obviously click on the link in my bio to read it. Mm. So then they go to my bio, they click on that link where then they're now on my website. Now they're going to sign up for my newsletter. Now they're more likely to go look at more blog posts. I, you know, so I'm working on generating those leads and conversions through that process too. Uh, you can do the same thing if you wanted people to subscribe for your newsletter. You could say, you know, in a post, say, or, you know, if you want people to subscribe to the podcast, or if you want people to download your ebook or sign up for a webinar or whatever it is you want them to do, you have that great piece of content. You have a great caption that tells it, tells them why it's valuable to them, not why it's valuable to you. And you say, click on the link in my bio to sign up, to register, to download, whatever it is. And boom, now they're in your email list because they've signed up. So there's lots of ways you can push this process through. You just have to be strategic and creative with how you put that information in front of your audience. A lot of us are trying to find an advantage in business. We're trying to build more content, 
Some of us use blogs, social media sites. One avenue that's being used even more today is writing ebooks. There are people like myself who are out there writing ebooks, putting them out on Amazon. And I found a pretty cool tool called KDP Rocket that helps with book marketing research. This is a tool to help find best-selling book ideas, profitable niches, and rank better in Amazon and select Kindle keywords. So get your book notice on Amazon by using KDP Rocket and share your results with me. Look in today's show notes, click on the link, and get started. It's an inexpensive program, less than $100, and it's a small investment towards trying to build out different books that you're writing and promoting on Amazon. Again, pick up KDP Rocket, click on the link in today's show notes, and share your success. Now back to the show. So, Jen, selfishly, I want to understand how to improve my Instagram page. So what I vacillated between is right now maybe putting an image up of a guest. For example, mm-hmm. you and I will be up on the next post, right? And then, um, mm-hmm. you know, I'll say, hey, check out my girl, Jen, blah, blah, blah. Or I'll actually have the audio and say, hashtag press play, you know, and listen to, Mm -hmm. I don't know, two minutes or whatever it is of a piece of our conversation. Is there more that I should be doing? And again, this is purely as a podcaster or an interviewer. Mm -hmm. I know that the tactic may be a little bit different for those selling a widget. But is there something more I should be doing as a podcaster and for people to engage with my content? that maybe just born the hell out of them would just purely press play or an image and say, go here. So the thing is, the content we want people to react to is usually the content they're least likely to react to. So you want them to, you know, watch that little video, which would be an audio clip of this recording. um, Or, you know, you want them to see the photo of it and then they're going to go, oh yeah, I want to go listen to this recording. But the reality is, most of your audience may not know who I am. So if they see my photo, they're going to scroll right past it because it's irrelevant to them. Mm. So they, but they recognize your face and your branding. So it's better off to have an image of you. If it was you and me, then that's better because now it's, if they recognize me and you, then it's, it's a double whammy. But at least if there's a photo of you in there, they're likely to know at the moment they see it in their feed that it's coming from you and they're more likely to trust it. Mm-hmm. But even then, those tend to be very graphic type images. So you're going to have an image and you're going to have, you know, some a bold border and some text and your photo and my photo. And those types of graphic type images don't usually perform well on Instagram. So you're better off having in general. And again, every audience is different. And this is something where, you know, when I work with clients, I actually go in and look at their individual accounts. We do a bunch of analytics and figure what's really working for them. But if in general, people want to see pretty photos. So if you've got photos of your, you know, your podcast studio setup, if you've got photos, you know, from when you go to events and venues and when you're doing live interviews, or if you have some good Photoshop skills and you can make it look like you and I are actually in a physical place together and it's not just, you know, two standard kind of, you know, headshot photos, mm. things like that. But that's even just for, you know, that one podcast, you need to be creating content in between. And that's where you really want to think about what is the, you know, the brand message for your podcast and to the business owners, what's a value to them. So you could do like a hashtag Tuesday tip where you share a tip. So you have a great image. Um, You could maybe put a little bit of text on it or something that says Tuesday tip, but a, a great simple image. And then you would do your caption would say something like Tuesday tip, and you're going to give them different business tips and different recommendations or things that you've read in an article or things like that, where you're constantly giving them something of value. You're not self-promoting the podcast. You're not self-promoting a guest. You're not self-promoting yourself. You're just straight up giving them value because a podcast listener is most likely looking to you for education. Not a ton of entertainment, not a ton of randomness. They're coming to you because they want to learn. So you want to translate that into your content strategy where you're giving them knowledge outside of the normal just everyday podcasts. But then you could even turn around and be like, you know, you've interviewed all these guests. You could take little snippets and clips from each of those. And, you know, every Friday you could do you know, a little fun share on Friday with a clip with a tip from somebody's podcast where you could, you know, share that. Even though that podcast may have been recorded six months ago, you could share that, you know, quick tip on a Friday or something. So you're always wanting to give them value. When you give them that, they're more likely to engage. They're more likely to comment, even say, you know, 
here's something that came up in a recent podcast. We had this conversation. This was the recommendation. What do you think? What have you done in this situation? Now you've left this open-ended question. People are more likely to comment, which drives engagement. The more engagement you get on those other posts, the more likely they are to see the posts about the upcoming podcasts. So actually helps the podcast announcement posts because they're engaging with all the other non-podcast related content, which keeps your engagement up. Yeah, this is this is really good because a lot of it I, I haven't done. And I've worked with multiple different people on kind of my social media, social media strategy. And sometimes you'll find some good and bad in this. This kind of leads me to a point here, which which can't be overlooked. Let Let's talk about as a whole, the engagement level that's going on within Instagram, meaning if companies mm-hmm. aren't in Instagram right now, what are they missing? So as they're listening to you, they're like, oh, great. She has her she has her own consulting company. She's doing this, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, let, let's make it clear to the listeners that, you know, Instagram isn't just for teeny boppers, right? I mean, there are people no. that, that are really engaged on there. And if you want to do it right, all the things that you just listed off to me, it sounds like a lot, but that's why I'm looking for people like you to actually make that happen, right? I mean, what 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 does that yeah. audience look like on Instagram as a whole? What are we missing? So Instagram currently has over a billion monthly active users. And that puts them, if you don't count YouTube as a social media platform, that means Instagram is number two, only behind Facebook. If you count YouTube, then Instagram is number three. So it's absolutely there. Like the audience is there. This is like you said, it's not for the the, quote millennials, which even then to that point, as we all know, millennials are technically in their late thirties by now. So we're buying houses, having kids and driving expensive (laughs) cars. So we're we're not teenagers that are unemployed and and useless. Like I I technically fall on that cusp between the, the X and Y. So it's like, I'm technically in that millennial generation. And I'm like, Oh, I'm out there spending money. People, you want to target me, trust me. But it, but it isn't just the, quote, millennials that are on Instagram. If you go and look at the actual demographics, there are people well into the, you know, the 65 demographic that are using Instagram on a regular basis. And there are more people in those upper demographics using Instagram than are using Twitter. So if you can make any justification for why you're on Twitter, I can make the exact same or better justification for why you should be on Instagram. Now, that being said, that doesn't mean that everyone should be on Instagram. Right. It has to be right for your business. And to your point, it can be a lot of work. Any social media done well is a lot of work. And if you are a small business owner and you're doing all of it yourself, you know, and if you only have 20 extra minutes a day, you're not going to see, you know, 100,000 followers and massive revenue in a short period of time coming from Instagram. Like that's just never going to happen with that kind of time commitment, especially if you're a small business. It's just unrealistic. But if you make a commitment to it, just like you would commit to your Facebook, your Twitter, your Pinterest, you know, whatever your your LinkedIn, whatever else it is you're doing, you can absolutely see results. But it has to be for the right reasons as well. Like your audience, I can promise you, is on there. I mean, I trust me, I've seen the most random of, of successful accounts on Instagram, which are things, you know, people always give me, you know, oh, well, a mortuary would never succeed on Instagram. I'm like, yeah, they could do it. Like I, I, I can see how they could do it. And I, I have examples, but it's, that's the thing. Like if anybody can do it, but if your audience isn't there, if you're not using it in the right way and it's not going to help your business, then no, don't invest that time. Instead, go put that on Facebook or on LinkedIn or wherever it's going to benefit you more. But it's absolutely something that, you know, I think people need to understand Instagram is a visual platform. It's not Facebook. It's not Twitter. It's not LinkedIn. It's not link dropping. It It is a visual component. And if you're not good at creating visual content, you're going to struggle a lot more than other businesses. But if you can do it well, Instagram has the highest engagement rates of any other platform. The average engagement on Instagram is about 3%, mm. which sounds really low. But average Instagram or average engagement on Facebook is less than 1%. And average engagement on Twitter is less than a fraction of a percent. So to get 3% engagement is exponentially higher than what you would get on other platforms. So the engagement is there, which is, you know, it's a good endorphin rush to feel like people see your content and like it. But the other reason, and I mentioned there's only that one clickable link on Instagram, which is that link in the bio. And the thing is, 
when people go through the the loopholes where they're like, okay, so they saw your photo, they they read the the caption, they clicked on the link in the bio, they clicked on, you know, they got to the link, they got to your website. They've already taken three or four steps to be there, which means your bounce rate from Instagram is essentially zero. Mm. It means you are getting conversions from that traffic. People are coming to your website to listen to that podcast, to read that blog post, to buy that product, to download that ebook, whatever it is you're doing, they're converting. So to me, I would rather have that quality of content or of traffic versus the just the the plain quantity um, where you get, you know, Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter, you get all the junk traffic. So you get a much higher bounce rate. And I should also point out because a lot of people freak out when they go look at their Google Analytics on their website, traffic from Instagram is generally not tracked by Google Analytics. The way the Instagram app is built as a mobile app, when someone clicks on that link, it opens a fresh new browser which means if they're going to your website, that's considered direct traffic, not referral traffic. So if you look at your Google Analytics and it says you had two people come to you from Instagram, that's because two people clicked on it from the Instagram.com website, most likely on a desktop. Mm, Got it. It does not mean it came from the mobile app. So you may actually be getting hundreds of website visits a month and your Google Analytics say you're getting two. And I know this because this happens to me every single month. But if you go, if you are a business profile on Instagram, it will show you how many website clicks you got in your insights. You can also use something like a Bitly or other link shortener that allows you to track clicks. So that way you can see how many clicks you really did get on that link. Um, and you'll get much better analytics because a lot of times people come to me and they go, I get no traffic from Instagram. I have, you know, five people a month that click on the link. And I'm like, well, are you looking at your Google analytics? And they say, yeah. And I said, okay let's run a bitly for a month and let's see how much traffic you're really getting. And they're getting hundreds of clicks and they're shocked because here they were thinking Instagram didn't work for them, but really it is. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And they're like, Oh my bad. (laughs) So there's a lot of things that kind of like little nuances that go into really grasping Instagram to, to build that business component. But when you put that effort into it, and when you realize the quality of traffic that you're going to get as a result and know that you're going to get conversions from it, it's absolutely worth that commitment of time. Yeah. Yeah. And talking about the quality of traffic and, and the conversion within itself, you say that it's low single digits. I think you mentioned 3% or something along that those lines. Mm-hmm. But first of all, the, the key there is that it's a quality 3%, which is much different than getting 30%. But you know, whoever is actually wants to be on there landed by accident or whatever the case may have been, or just some junk traffic in general. But do you think it's, it's low and then even lower on Twitter and Facebook just because it's, it's like, I mean, people are just hit every day with information on Twitter and, and Mm -hmm. Instagram that you can only consume so much within a a short period of time. So that, that's kind of, kind of why you know we talked about having that genuine voice earlier right because i mean yep. the more you look like everybody else it just looks like a part of a a feed and that's just it and and you know twitter moves super fast the chances of people seeing your tweets are are much lower in terms of you know exposure than facebook linkedin or instagram and even facebook facebook deliberately hides content from you their algorithm is programmed to hide content and only show you the content they think is relevant because there's just so much content out there that they can't Mm. possibly show you every piece of content of every person every page and everything you follow on facebook instagram doesn't hide anything they do sort the content in an algorithmic priority but nothing is hidden. So technically, if people scroll far enough back, they will still see every piece of content uploaded by every single account they follow. So there alone, you have a better chance of people seeing your content. But again, because people on Facebook tend to be scrolling and it's so much text and they they kind of like maybe stop and watch a video or they stop and see something from a friend, it's it's much more mindless scrolling on those kinds of things. Instagram, you're you're looking at photos. So you're processing that that recognition of that content in a split second versus scrolling over somebody's long-winded paragraph on Facebook where you don't even really read it and you just kind of keep going. So you, again, if you have a great photo that's going to capture their attention, they're more likely to double tap to like it, to stop and read the caption and generate that engagement. So just the way the platform is built, it's meant to generate more engagement just on those, you know, logistical factors, let alone the fact that, again, it's visual and people on Instagram 
are highly active. I mean, I know, like, I, I joke all the time, I'm a total lurker on Facebook, because you know, the moment you like something on Facebook, all your friends are going to see that you like that piece of content. So like, I never like anything political. I may click on the article and read it, but I will never like or engage with anything political because I'm not opening that can of worms. <laughs> right. <laughs> Same on Twitter. But on Facebook, yep. or, but on Instagram, yep. that yep. doesn't exactly. really matter. But what about Magic Mike? Right. <laughs> Would you like Magic Mike? Is that <laughs> right? Is that maybe a... <laughs> it was like, oh, did I post I went to that movie? My bad. <laughs> but, it, but on Instagram, you get you know, people are expected to like, and it's, there isn't the, the, you know, the, the grand gesture of, oh, so-and-so liked this piece of content. It's like, people just go through and like, so just by that, you know, virtue alone, you're going to get more engagement on Instagram. There's just so many ways that platform is built to generate that higher level of likes, comments, you know, whether it's clicking through to the bio and, and all that sort of stuff. Do we know yet on what is actually more engaging? You know, take brand, everything else aside. Do people want to see videos more or images? So it really comes down to your audience, because if your audience is conditioned to watch video, then videos will outperform photos. But in general, photos always outperform videos on Instagram. It's still a photo based platform. Users are still conditioned mm. to photos. It's one of those things where, again, because it's a fast moving feed, we see the photo and we're usually in the middle of a scroll. So to stop and wait for the video to play, because it technically auto plays, but it has that like half a second delay, which if people don't mm -hmm. realize it's a video and it doesn't play immediately, they tend to just kind of keep on scrolling because they think it's a photo anyways. So photos will mm -hmm. generally outperform videos, no matter what anyone tries to do to get videos to be successful on, on Instagram. But in, you know, if your audience is conditioned because you create a lot of video content, then they're more likely to respond to videos. That's great. And videos, you know, you can do IGTV, which is video content. You can do Instagram stories, which videos outperform photos in the in the uh, stories component. And obviously on all other social media, video is huge. So I wouldn't neglect the video, um, but just be, you know, aware of where you're putting it in terms of your Instagram content. So what what are the demographics on Instagram right now in terms of male, female, age, et cetera? It's I want to say I think it's like a 60, 40 um, male, female. So more males. It's a largely non-U.S. Uh, demographic. Most of the Instagram users are foreign to us in the U.S., um, so as much as we like to think that, you know, everything in the U.S. is, is controlling these decisions because it's technically a U.S.-based company, most of the users mm -hmm. are actually foreign. So there's a lot of that to be considered depending on who your audience is and who you're targeting. And then in terms of, you know, age demographic, you will get much higher demographic ratios in the under 35. I'm waiting for the Pew study, which usually comes out in January, um, which will show the the latest demographics. But we can expect to see super high um, usage in the under 35 demographics. And then in like the kind of 35 to 55, we usually see something in about the 25, you know, percent range. Um, and then over that, we'll mm -hmm. probably go down to like maybe the the 15% range. But again, I don't know what the the January statistics will show this this coming January. So I'll be interested to see those. Yeah. So despite demographics, despite how large the audience is that, you know, and you've brought this back a couple of times, it just depends on your brand, who you are, what you're portraying. And one of the, the strongest things that I still I don't know if I'm doing a good job or not um, is hashtags. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm putting hashtag podcasting, hashtag business uh, to try to get deeper within that demographic or more specific niche. But I. You know, I don't know if I'm doing a good job with hashtags or not. I don't know if they're really performing at the level that they should. I'm just putting what I think is what's searchable. Is that the right way to approach hashtags in your audience or what am I missing there? So I have my super secret recipe that I tell everybody. Um, so please, please tell me. So it's it's you have to first of all, you want to find relevant hashtags to your brand and industry. So you're not going to use things like hashtag love and, you know, hashtag Kim Kardashian just because they're popular. That does absolutely nothing for you in life. So we don't use those. But you want to use things that are related to your specific industry. So it's easy to think of something like hashtag business because you're talking to a business centric audience. The problem with hashtag business is there's probably 
hundreds of millions of posts made on that hashtag, <laughs> which means you will be right. in that in that content for seconds. And then you're so far buried in the archives that it's useless. And the only people who are going to find you are spam bots. So it's kind of irrelevant to use that kind of hashtag because it's just so popular. So you want to look for things that are content specific and industry specific that are you want to find about three to five hashtags that are considered popular. By this, I mean up to about a million pieces of content on that that hashtag. And if you go to Instagram search and you search for hashtags, it'll tell you how many posts are associated with each hashtag. So you can just go in there and look and it'll tell you there's 10,000 or 20,000 or 400,000 or whatever it is. So you want to find three to five popular ones. Those are the ones that are up to about a million because after a million, it starts getting really congested. And like I said, you just get buried in archives. Then you want to find three to five moderately popular those are ones that have hashtags in the low hundreds of thousands, um, maybe even in the upper tens of thousands. And then you want to find three to five niche specific. These may only have a few thousand posts. They may have 10,000 posts associated with them. But this is exactly who your target audience is. And then you're going to use one to three brand specific hashtags. So for example, brand specific, I use things like Jen's Trends and Learn From Jen. For my niche specific, I use things like Instagram training, Instagram speaker, Instagram blogging, Instagram marketing. I use those so that if someone's looking for that specific topic, they're going to find me because what happens is you've got your followers already liking your content over a period of time. The popular hashtags give you an initial burst of activity. So Instagram goes, great, you posted it and immediately people are seeing it and liking it. The moderately popular hashtags are keeping you active for hours into days because there isn't a lot of content. So your content will stay more visible for a longer period of time. So Instagram goes, wow, you've really figured this thing out. Like you're creating this really good content that's getting lots of immediate and long-term interactivity from both followers and non-followers. So what happens in those, those niche specific, those smaller category ones, you end up ranking as a top post. So if you're the top posts, in your specific category, when someone goes and looks for that specific category and they see you first, they click on your content, they end up on your profile, they end up following you, they end up emailing you, they end up following more of your content, they end up you know, interacting with you. That's how you're going to build leads and sales from having people find you through hashtags. So it has to be very strategic. It has to be very you know, dedicated in how you craft those hashtags rather than just randomly picking them. Mm-hmm. I also always warn people because it's easy for us to, again, think of ourselves. So I always use the example of an insurance broker. And yes, insurance brokers can use Instagram. But if you're an insurance broker, you're going to think, I'm going to use hashtag insurance and hashtag insurance broker and hashtag car insurance because that's what you do. But do you really think someone's going to Instagram to look for an insurance broker? No, that's <laughs> what Google is for. But... Right. If you sell car insurance, your audience is buying cars. So if you create content that appeals to those people, meaning you use things like hashtag dream car and hashtag first new car and hashtag daughter's first car or any of those sorts of things, which they're hashtagging because they're out there doing those things, people are looking at those sorts of hashtags. Then in among that content, they're finding your content about car insurance. So you're going after them in the places they're already hanging out and giving them a potential solution because if they're out buying a new car, they're going to need insurance. So Mm -hmm. there's ways that you can use the hashtags in the right way that still augment your industry and your niche without putting hashtag insurance broker, because if you put that, the only people who are going to find you are other insurance brokers, because no one is looking for a hashtag insurance broker on Instagram. That's just not how the world works. <laughs> you know, you, you've been so gracious with your time. I, I, I'm, I'm going to wrap up, but I, every time you say something, it always unfolds another question for me. So I apologize. <laughs> but Oh, and I can do I, this so, for six hours. I'm like, I can go all day. <laughs> I can tell. I Listen, I told Jen offline, I said, I can feel her just her inspiration and infectious attitude about the business. I love it because I love people who are real about what they do there. You can just tell if it's through and through in them. But Jen, so you mentioned Kim Kardashian and a lot of people are trying to get this appearance on Instagram 
and maybe Kim Kardashian isn't necessarily doing this, but I'm just talking about, you mm-hmm. know, relatively regular people, not to insult anyone, but yeah. and they have one million followers and their engagement on a post is like seven. So, you know, <laughs> one million people are probably the followers. Aren't, they bought the followers. How come after so many people come out and say this is not the way to do business on Instagram, we continue to do that? I know it's for a look, but everybody knows the secret sauce and how the sausage is made now. So why is this a thing still? Why are people doing this? It's a thing because a lot of people are stubborn and vanity metrics still matter. Um, Mm. A lot of people, you know want the popularity of it. A lot of people are trying to be influencer marketers and they're trying to get, you know, free trips and free meals and free things. And if they have lots of followers, people will give them free stuff. But that being said, it's definitely something that the world has gotten smarter to. Businesses are smarter. Marketers are smarter. Instagram has gotten much smarter. They actually just recently released um, an announcement in the last month where they've created an AI tool, um, an artificial intelligence tool that can actually now determine if the likes you received and if the follows you received were from paid robots, from bots. Mm. And if they are, they're going to remove those followers and likes from your content. So that if you are out there buying engagement, whether it's in the form of followers or in the terms of likes on your content, uh, if it's determined that came from an automated source, then Instagram's just going to immediately delete those from your, your content. So they're they're making big moves to minimize this. They've been trying to combat this for years because it's been prevalent. But it's just something that again a lot of business owners don't know better. You know, they hire some social media marketing guru who tells them, "Oh, I'll get you great in, you know, interactions and I'll get you all this engagement and I'll get your business up there and you'll be famous and, you know, give me $2,000 and I'll do it." And the business goes, "Okay, great," because they don't know any different and they give this person $2,000 who they go out and buy all these likes and followers and all of a sudden it looks great on paper, but it's all people from fake accounts from, you know, a foreign country. That does absolutely nothing for your business. So it is still prevalent, unfortunately. Um, but you like to your point, a lot of people are getting smart to it. We see what engagement rates really are. We can see, you know, who's really liking the content. And I still always go back to the diehard. I mean, I started teaching Instagram marketing as an expert and I had 3,000 followers and people called me out on it all the time. And I was like, yeah, but every one of those 3,000 followers will buy anything I tell them to buy. And I'd rather have 3,000 <laughs> dedicated followers than 100,000 who could care less about absolutely. what I have to say. Absolutely. I totally so, agree. I, I mean, that's, again, this goes back to quality over quantity, right? So I I didn't realize uh, Instagram made this move, but this is going to address a lot of quote unquote influencers shortly, I guess. Yes. I know. I'm excited to see how many people like that, that <laughs> I know that I'm suspicious of and just like, watch their numbers dropping. I've seen a few people already and I'm like, oh, snap. Are <laughs> you about to get undressed? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, what, one other thing that you've talked about, we've talked about insurance companies and, you know, people that potentially shouldn't be on Instagram. Just humor me for a second. Who are maybe some people that or businesses, for that matter, that should not be on Instagram or maybe entertain it? Because you even said that a mortuary could be on there. I can't think of anybody else (laughs) that probably shouldn't be or or should there be? I always use the example because I, I do believe any business can be on Instagram. If you want to, you absolutely can. And one of my favorite accounts in the whole wide world is the most hated organization in the world, and that is the TSA. Uh, and there is no reason on earth that the TSA should be good at Instagram, and they freaking slay it. Yeah, they, they do. Are, like, they're my favorite account. <laughs> I also know, there. I can't think of her name off the top of my head, but she is She's actually a medical examiner, and she has over. She has millions of followers, and she uses Instagram as an educational platform, and she talks about you know, it, it's a little graphic because it's there's, you know, human dead body parts on, on her Instagram sure. feed. But she does talk about, you know, things like different cancers. And she talks about the impact from a car collision. And she's very educational in her content. And she's she's kind of like the girl from NCIS. Like, you know, you kind of think like the tatted up, like super awesome chick. Like, <laughs> but she's this she's this really cool personality. And she uses Instagram as an educational tool as a medical examiner, which again, you would think there's no way this can be done. So I, I don't believe there's anybody who should not be on Instagram. Certain industries have harder times. If you're in the cannabis industry, if you're in a firearms industry, you're going to have a much harder time on Facebook and Instagram because of their terms of service. Doesn't mean you can't do it, 
but you're going to have issues. I know I've been talking to a woman for months and she's a uh, birth photographer. So she photographs women giving birth, which is mm. perfectly natural, but maybe not some of the best <laughs> content for public display. And she has a lot of issues with her content getting censored that way. So I mean, there are some people who will struggle with it, but that doesn't mean it can't be done. You just have to work in different ways and think creatively with some of your content and how you're going to you know, craft it. But I genuinely believe that any business can be on Instagram if you really want to. Man, Jen, you you are so awesome. I'm 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 so excited to have you on. I mean, this has really meant a lot for me in terms of the information. I'm sure the listeners are going to get some good stuff from this. You you know your stuff. I'm so excited. Listen, if people want to work with you or they want to reach out to you, they want to follow up, how can they connect with you? I imagine Instagram is one way, but feel free to share your site, your Twitter, whatever you want. I'm definitely over on Instagram. You can definitely find me there. Uh, so I'm on Twitter and Instagram, both as Jens, J-E-N-N-S underscore trends. Uh, the website is jenstrends.com and there's a ton of blog posts on there. Um, you can buy my books on there. I have Instagram for business for dummies, which is available from my website. And then I also have a Facebook group called Jen's Trends and Social Media, which is not just about Instagram. It's for all social media questions and needs. Um, but it's a closed group. Just ask to join the group and I'll add you in there. But if there is ever breaking news about Instagram, the first place we talk about it is always in that Facebook group. So if you want to stay up to date on all things Instagram, that Jen's Trends and Social Media is the Facebook group or my Instagram account. But like I said, also the Facebook group, we talk about all social media. So if you have questions about blogging, about Facebook, about LinkedIn, about anything, uh, the group is a great resource with tons of super smart people uh, who, in addition to me, can help answer your questions and make sure you get everything you need answered. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Jen. You've been gracious with your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. This was awesome. Hey, guys, hopefully you got something out of that interview. I was excited to have the opportunity to sit down and talk with Jen. I've been wanting to learn more about Instagram myself and how to position it for my business better. I know that I mentioned I got off personally. I just haven't found much value in it from a personal standpoint, just so that I can focus my time in other areas. But hopefully you've gotten something out of it that you can apply to your business or even for your personal Instagram was really excited to have her on. Thank you again so much to Jen for joining us today. So look forward to talking to you guys next week on Sunday's new release of the Marketplace podcast. Look, guys, hopefully you can leave some feedback. Go to um, InsideTheMarketplace.com and there's a tab there that says win 25. You can win $25 a month in Amazon gift cards. Check it out leave a review excited to have it until next sunday talk to you soon peace i'm the best ever my style is impetuous my defense is impregnable and i'm just ferocious